The revelation is upon us, my brother and sister. I knew a lot of people hated benders, but I've never seen so many in one place. Keep your eyes out for Bolin. Please welcome your hero, your savior, Amon! My quest for equality began many years ago. When I was a boy, my family and I lived on a small farm. We weren't rich, and none of us were benders. This made us very easy targets for the firebender who extorted my father. One day, my father confronted this man. But when he did, that firebender took my family from me. Then, he took my face. I've been forced to hide behind a mask ever since. As you know, the Avatar has recently arrived in Republic City. And if she were here, she would tell you that bending brings balance to the world. But she is wrong. The only thing bending has brought to the world is suffering. It has been the cause of every war in every era. But that is about to change. I know you have been wondering, what is the revelation? You are about to get your answer. Since the beginning of time, the spirits have acted as guardians of our world, and they have spoken to me. They say the Avatar has failed humanity. That is why the spirits have chosen me to usher in a new era of balance. They have granted me a power that will make equality a reality. The power to take a person's bending away permanently. Welcome once again to the Bitter Durst podcast. We are a queer Legend of Korra super fan podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Derek Reining. And I'm joined by my equally important host, Shady Sam Stanish. I mainly just run the numbers for the triple threats over here <laughs> at Bittercures. I'm still confused by what Mako meant by that, but <laughs> I guess maybe we could talk about it. Maybe he's, I don't know, he's like just, he would sit at a desk and like ruffle yeah. papers around Did he or like worked in accounting for this gang? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we are also joined by uh, a firebending boy who drives us all crazy. Otto Fernandez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, like the like the so cycles of an avatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Otto it's is so hamming it up you because make... <laughs> we had to. Oh, okay. Can I just say I want to just apologize on the record. Like I, <laughs> I thought we were recording. I thought we were gonna discuss episode two, A Leaf in the Wind, and then I just looked at my DMs and I'm like, oh, it's episode three. Well, and I like, literally left the re the recording we were doing, <laughs> and then now I just watched the episode, the right episode, and now I'm back. So yes, like a leap from I the wind. I wasn't hemming it up. I actually did. I was. I was. You... I was equally. I was even more so tickled by hearing that <laughs> intro. So you know, I was. You, you know, I'm not Jimmy Fat. 
I'm not Jimmy Fallon-ing it. Uh, it that was a genuine <laughs> response. Oh, no, okay, good. No need to apologize at all. Very vigilant <laughs> no. performance here. We're really moving on the fly. We're very thankful that you said that you could do it right now. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Hell yeah. Yeah, you even though we, before we talked about how you feel like you would be either a water or a firebender, that was very airbendery of you to be like, let's go, baby. F go with the flow. We're doing it. Um, so yes, we appreciate that um, so much. Because yeah. what a fantastic episode. What you're saying episode. is I'm the avatar. I Yes, that is what, what I was getting I'm at. The avatar. Now <laughs> you just need to learn master earthbending and we'll be set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Your stalwart silence is the perfect start to an earthbending lesson. That's so true. <laughs> Otto, how are you doing? Um, will you tell us about uh, your avatar feelings in general before we get into this third episode of Legend of Korra? Like, the fact that Avatar, The Last Airbender, like, premiered in 2003, and it's still relevant today and like like the like just like the love that fans have for it it's very you know well deserved like atla is one of the best shows ever so you know we don't even have to like go into detail about why atla is so great but i'm also a chorus stan i was definitely like super into legend of korra when it premiered uh when did korra premiere i want to say 2012 2012 yep yeah yeah, so I was definitely watching week to week. And then, you know, Nickelodeon's going to Nickelodeon. So they just dicked around with the scheduling. And they just took Korra off of Nickelodeon entirely and just had new episodes premiere on Nick.com. I don't know if you remember the Nick.com Korra days, but yo, man, the oh, streamer I was there. on that was uh, not <laughs> the best. Yeah, I, I was because we, we talked about it a little bit uh, in the pilot episode of this episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, and like we were talking about Avatar being like that, like just you would never know when the episodes were going to come out. But then like, and but, like obviously we were all really young when we were watching it live like that. And then when Korra came around, I feel like fan spaces were a lot more like better about figuring out when things were going to air, but also like we were adults so we knew how to watch a tv show if we like missed it exactly right. yeah i remember that horrible horrible web player um even though this was like fully like netflix had their shit together like we knew how to stream video on the internet and they still didn't really have it down um but fortunately we're still in book one we were still fully on the silver screen is that what they i forget what the tv is the, called i believe it's a small screen oh okay <laughs> over screen reflective of the projection screen of a movie theater oh is that really i just thought i don't know like a precious metal i don't i don't know what i thought the yeah. origin of that phrase was but i will implicitly trust you even though i have no facts of my own to back that up oh we're really shifting yeah, roles like, this uh, week. <laughs> and then the stage screen is referring to the theater Oh, ooh la la. Come on, yes. culture. <laughs> Knowing things. The stage screen. <laughs> the curtains. <laughs> yep, that's also a thing that's in theater. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're here for episode 103, um, The Revelation 
I liked this episode because it was sort of like, like for the first two episodes, we were like introducing characters, figuring out what the world is like. And then in this is the episode where they're like, and also the bad guys are also here and they're strong. Like, I feel like this is like another, even though we've seen them on before, this was the sort of like the introduction episode for the antagonist. And like for the previous two episodes, it was sort of just like sprawling world building. For sure. Like, we did get yeah. a lot of um, expository dialogue in this episode, but it's mostly about, like, explaining why uh, we should be terrified of this guy. Yeah. I really do appreciate it, because I've, re- I've definitely rewatched season one of Korra the most, and during my most recent quarantine rewatch of the show, I'm just going to be upfront with this. Season one is not my favorite. <laughs> like, it's definitely... <laughs> If I had to rank the seasons, it's definitely like in the bottom half. I would say that. But like episode two, which I thought we were gonna discuss, I <laughs> thought pro bending. I I do not like the pro bending. Like I like the characters. I like that it is role building, as we're saying. But it's like I'd much rather deal with oh, Bolin, uh, Mako's brother might get murdered or some shit. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I much prefer that. I much prefer like the higher stakes situations in the Korra compared to like the pro bending stuff early on. Yeah, and, like, this investigation vibe of this episode, I feel like, was something that I can't even think of being in the, like, in the previous show, like, at all, really. Uh, I I really like the, like, the private eye sort of, like, going to the different sources and, like, going after clues parts of this episode. That was cool. It was very, I mean, full-on Batman vibes is how I would describe it. Like, I mean, down to um, Mako and Bolin's parents being taken down in an alleyway in front of him when he's a and child. And also Amon's parents. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that going around. Also, um, yeah. And Amon's parents and Mako's parents were both killed by firebenders, which is like, oh, yeah, firebenders are still dickheads, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. Either, yeah, it's um, it's interesting that uh, it's, like, not really a thing the show has really discussed. It's like, what does the world still think of the Fire Nation? Because it's, like, there's it's still within living memory, like, this 100-year war. But we don't really get a good sense of, like, how do people... Like, obviously, Republic City is, like, this big melting pot. But it's, like, how does the world at large even view firebenders? Like, is there this weird stigma against firebenders that they're, like, violent and they're, like, out here taking down people? Or, like, it's it's hard to know. Uh, and it's kind of an aspect I wish they yeah. explored more. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Like, I wish it was a more focused on aspect of the show. Um, and, like, especially because they're, like, I feel like they're, like, trying to bring it up and, like, making these hints at a like background information about what the fire nation is like in this time but like they don't really go into it but i would imagine that it's like in these mixed areas especially republic cities especially like i'm sure there's like a lot of stigma against the fire nation and firebenders in general so there's probably a lot of like societal and like economic issues that go into like being someone from the fire nation in these like uh colony areas um but like but I also don't feel like I got the general impression from the like seeing the Fire Nation previously that they were like down on their luck folk in general and the civilians. So I don't know. I I I guess I'm just saying I wish that like they had actually talked about it instead of like setting up ideas yeah. about these downtrodden Fire Nation people in the Republic City area. Mm-hmm. And it's such a missed opportunity as well because you have Cora, who's literally just been like isolated her entire life so like if you know like we have these questions but i feel like maybe and now we're just trying to like now i don't want to harp too long on this because it's pretty much like we're talking about shit that just 
will never happen. Yeah. The show's <laughs> done, but. It really would have been nice to have Cora be like, oh, what's it like when, you know, da 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 da? Like, how, is, how are things different over here? Because, like, Cora, you know, this isn't like a judgment, but she doesn't really know how the world works. Like, she found out about Mako uh, running numbers or whatever for uh, <laughs> the triple threats back in the day after their parents were murdered or whatever. To, you know, to survive. And she's like, oh, wait, you're some kind of criminal or something? And I was like, that was a very. Uh, yeah. Okay, like, Cora. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, we didn't Cora. bury the lead on that, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So she's a, obviously someone who has to like, you know, she doesn't, she's someone who like has no filter when it comes to just like, you know, her first instinct and like calling some as a criminal. And he's like, yo, man, my parents died. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, had, I had to look out for myself. And my brother, you calling me a criminal. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, wanted they... to say fuck you in that moment. He was like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to let it, I'm, 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 I'm going to let it slide. They said it. They set up that conflict at the beginning of the episode too, and they're in this um, training zone part of the like they they're like the rookie team, so they get the worst time. And it, but like six a.m. or whatever time this is happening at is like not that bad of a time to me. Like I feel like the worst time that they could have gotten would be like eleven thirty p.m. Um, just like as a, my I guess that's just my preference. But uh, anyway, in that scene, Cora they find out that they need 30,000 yuans to participate in the tournament. Um, and Bolin's like, do you have like some sort of secret avatar fund that you can just dip into? And I do think it's a little suspect that that doesn't exist, but uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> then she's like, no, I've never had anything. I've just always had people taking care of me. And Mako's like, so you, that's not nothing at all. Like you're clearly very privileged and she just isn't thinking about it. Yeah, I really love mm -hmm. that line. Yeah. I mean, it's like not a great look for Cora, but you understand like why she would say that. Like, I don't know. I don't, I never sympathize with people who like outright hate Cora as a character because it's like she literally has like not grown up around people. Of course, she's going to be saying these fake, like out of pocket things because she doesn't know any better. Um, and mm -hmm. it's like in that moment, she even like feels regret and feels bad for like saying that because she had never thought about it that way. Um, and Mako acts like for once Mako brings up a good point of like, yeah, that is not nothing at all to be raised in the compound with the best trainers in the world being treated as a god. And never even having to like think of the concept of money. Right. <laughs> Bro, like, is Cora like, is she like white privilege? Is like the show trying to be like, oh yeah, Cora has like... We're gonna like talk about white privilege, but have it like in like through like, the avatar verse lens. Yeah, like I, th I we're mean, gonna I have think, Cora be like, no. I think that's another thing. Like we're talking about with the Fire Nation earlier. Like I think that's another thing they like try to set up here with like the non-benders who are protesting and like every time she's come up against these normal people who are like raising their concerns, she like shuts them down. And they even use the language that like people use today. They're like, the avatar is oppressing us, but it's like kind of played for a laugh or like not taken very seriously in like so far the like the storytelling of the show but like i think that's a part of what they're like trying to go for yeah it's, Bro, it's... like <laughs> i don't know if it was this episode or the previous episode but he was like you're oppressing us and cora's like you're oppressing yourself and i'm yeah. like man is this legend of cora or legend of karen what's going on <laughs> <laughs> what's yeah, really going on i'm not like you know i'm mm -hmm. picking up on some things yeah, it's it's uh, tough. Like the show, like like we said, it like touches on these ideas, um, but it's like it's a hard thing to like map one to one to our real world because we don't have magical powers in the real world, um, and also like just from like a storytelling standpoint, it's like 
I, like, I don't know, like Harry Potter, you're never going to be like, I, I, you know what? Maybe I don't care about the wizards. We should take away all the wizards' magic because that's boring. Like, we want to see the cool, like, magical fun stuff. Like, that's why you're reading this fictional narrative in the first place. Like, we don't want bending to go away. <laughs> like, that's why we're watching the show. So it's like a weird sort of question for the show to ask us, like, yeah, shouldn't bending go away? Like, isn't that a valid thing for these people to want? It's like, well, sure, but then why am I watching the show? Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a very heady topic, and it's cool that they're, like, bringing it in. Um, it's just if you bring it in, then you have to actually, like, deal with that as, like, a concept. And I don't feel like, th at least through this episode, they have. Uh, but it's okay, and we still get a really cool detective episode out of it. Absolutely. And cool. There's multiple very cool fight scenes in this show. Like, this show oh. just, like, constantly delivers on action for me. That's fight scene. Hey, are you about to talk about... The cheap blocker scene, yeah? Yeah, yep. that's like so stunningly Fine. animated. So gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was one of the I feel like about... that was one of the first um like maybe they like showed that scene or something preview prior or prior to the show airing. Like I feel like that was one of the first things I ever saw. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, like in like a trailer or yeah, something? Yeah, or, so, or like maybe like some fight like trailer they just showed that scene or something at some point. But yeah, like that's that's one of the first things I ever saw. I think it's great. I love the introduction of these like people who like, because obviously Ty Lee was doing this in the previous show. I don't know if they like, I, did, she did, she can she vlog. Yeah, she cheap. Sorry, I was confused. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> well, remember yeah, she if she just, like, she's I, the OG. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> couldn't remember if she was like just it. paralyzing yeah. people's arms or if she was actually doing it, but she did. I'm just forgetting. Uh, yeah. And she, like, and now it's like this expanded thing. And if they don't even, they, they haven't explained like what the backing on that is. Uh, but it's cool that it's like this thing that we saw one person do previously. And now it's like clearly trickled through like the, the teachings. And now it's like more spread out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the cheap blockers are badass, man. It's just so cool seeing them do their thing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> like Bender's like Cora thinks she's hot shit, and like in this episode, like like you start to see the wheels turning in her head when it's like you see the fear come in. Absolutely, you see the fear come in, like when like she when when the cheap blockers like block her G, she's like, oh, I can't bend, and then Mako's like, oh, calm down, it will come back. It's like, <laughs> yeah, they're cheap blockers. He explains to them the concept of. He explains to her the concept of chi blockers, but then later on, when we see Amon's uh, demonstration revelation, you see that look in her face, and you're like, she's like, oh, oh shit, like she's yeah, she for the first time, I think she actually got scared. Definitely, because like that's kind of I mean, obviously, bending is like her whole thing. She her her character is that she like isn't connected to the spiritual side of the av being the avatar at all so like if she doesn't bend then she really does not have much of anything seemingly until she can like really focus in on the spiritual side of it so like losing bending or like that sort of idea is something like completely counter to like who she wants to be i love the scene where cora's like her arms are like not working and she can't bend and mako's just like this happens all the time <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's, it's it's very like city boy like he's sort of like okay let's move on like it's fine you'll be okay we've all been punched yeah. in the shoulder by yeah. <laughs> around here um yeah i do love those it's like when you see like a showtime dancer on the train and like, exactly not, who's not from New York is like, oh my god, and people next like, what the fuck? Like, all right, <laughs> this is this happens all the time. Like, it's not that big deal. Yeah, uh, I do love though that Cora's like response is like anger. She's like instantly like pissed off that she can't bend. She's like yelling, um, which is like another great character note. Like, lots of really fantastic Cora character moments here. Like uh, when they're going up to 
like it's like the triads base or something some sort of building mm. um and mako's like okay we got to be stealth here and she just literally kicks down the door <laughs> yeah. um like that's then you think that like, made me laugh, right, made it's, me laugh it's like, so perfect really and it's like you think about like shit. ang would never in a million years ever do that like ang is the one who's like like we need to get in and get out sneakily but Korra is not at all i just love those moments of like absolute contrast between the two avatars definitely my favorite moment of like Korra being Korra in this episode is when Mako is coming up from behind her and Iki and Jinora are like hey is that the boy you like and she literally like catapults them into the air <laughs> with earthbending because she like knows that they're gonna like survive but she like <laughs> blasts them Yo. away from her into the sky <laughs> it's two small children that also made me laugh really fucking hard and then like I'm like wait what I forgot they were airbenders for a moment and then like the very next shot you just see them gently landing in the background I'm like okay that was Mm-hmm. Pretty you gotta, that was you gotta, <laughs> you gotta think maybe they've asked her to do that before for fun because why wouldn't you? That would be a blast. Because it's yeah. like it, it is something that like in another in a different cartoon it's sort of like yeah like I guess a character could just get like catapulted <laughs> super far away and be completely fine but like and then because yeah. it comes off as like so it's it's just a very funny moment because uh, mm-hmm. instead yeah. of just being also, like can we shut up <laughs> yeah also or, I just want to like briefly note like. Tenzin's kids, Iki, Milo, and Jinora, they're like my favorite characters. Maybe my favorite characters from the show overall, just because there's so much fun and the development that they do get as the series goes on. It's like you want to see them, you want to see more of them. And, you know, yeah, I just love Tenzin's kids. And this episode was nice to just take a break from the world building like, and just let things breathe a little bit. Episode two was the pro-bending episode. The pilot was just throwing a bunch of stuff at you. And this episode was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to do some gang shit. And then, you know, I like that through all of the iterations of the world we're getting so far, we still have like, you know, like, oh, we got like funny stuff with the kids and shit, you know? Totally agreed. Mm-hmm. And there's they're just like very funny. Um, I also love that we're seeing that like because in the previous show, we didn't see an, an airbender who wasn't like a master airbender like at all basically and now in this show that we're getting four like right off the bat it's the there's three kids and then Korra who's like literally new completely to learning airbending and we're like seeing it from the beginning as opposed to like Aang who's like this fully realized man of airbending right um yeah because I believe Jinora is like a, a little younger than Aang was in Avatar so it's like even she still is not like fully realized mastered airbending so yeah it's cute to just like see them running around and having fun in their little airbender outfits um it was surprisingly very little tenzin in this episode too i think he's just in that final scene i know i forgot he was not in the episode until i saw him at the end i'm like oh were you not in this episode (laughs) yeah what were you up to (laughs) let's give jk simmons that check guys you gotta have him Right. He and Lynn were off doing something. We don't. She was because she wasn't in this episode either. It was, she wasn't in the second one or the third one, which I just thought. I just thought that she would be back already. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. This is like it's um part of like what makes Korra feel very different from Avatar. It's because it's like you can't really have like Sokka and Katara and Aang all like off doing like coming in and out of the story because they're all just traveling together and it's always this little group. Whereas in Korra, it's like we're all in this relatively like safe area where we all have our own things going on so yeah these characters can like come in and out of the narrative like we've said before kind of like a traditional sort of television drama uh we're not we're not mm-hmm. always going to have every single character be in an episode um, yeah it rem- in, yeah 
I mean, it just reminds me of Star Trek because for most of Star Trek, it's like individual ships and they're like flying throughout the galaxy. But in like, there's one Star Trek show called Deep Space Nine that's set I on. I love Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine absolutely slaps. It Nine. is the best Star Trek. <laughs> uh, but on Deep Space Nine, they set it on a uh, satellite basically that just like stays in one stationary place. So like people in the planets around them are like, they fade in and out of the plot line as well. Uh, and it's. It's like a darker, cooler Star Trek. It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm the only deep, non-Deep Space Niner here. I've never watched a Star Trek in my life. So um, I'll take both of your words for it, that it's amazing. Is that the one made well, no, by... If you're going to watch... It's... What? Made by what? Say it, again. Uh, it was made by Ronald D. Moore of Battlestar Galactica. He's, yeah, he's one of the uh, people on on that show yeah for sure that makes sense to me and also brian fuller who created uh, yeah Hannibal, oh god damn how have wrote I not on watched... that show as well yeah <laughs> okay how if you're gonna watch a star trek show and you want to watch like some like great serialized drama deep space nine is the star trek show to watch deep space nine is the only one that i've seen start to finish it is perfect <laughs> Oh, anyway, okay. <laughs> I, I hope that all of our followers go out and uh, watch Deep Space Nine. Yes. Um, Everyone go out, watch all Deep Space Nine, and reconvene back here in a week, okay? Yeah, seven 24-episode seasons. Anyway, <laughs> um, Avatar. Yeah, so like they, they go to, like, they get these flyers that, like, make up a map uh, to, like, explain where they're supposed to go in the city. I feel like it was a pretty easy uh, key to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just get, like, four flyers and then, or, like, even just one and, like, try to, like, match it up, I guess. Right. I was surprised Mako wasn't, like, instantly, like, oh, yeah, this is this part of the city. True. Just based off, like, the singular red dot one. I, it was very similar to in season two of Yu-Gi-Oh! They would get these cards, map cards, that they had to all stack up on top of each other to figure out where the final battle was going to take place. It is very that. <laughs> you are so right. <laughs> I was it's like, like, I've seen this. It's, cre it's creative. It's creative, but like, what what's, what was the point? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially that I crowd was like humongous. Like, <laughs> I know. Like, lots I know of it was people... like Republic City is like a big ass city but like it looked like a fucking concert in there like I, Madison yeah, Square Garden all <laughs> to see this one guy do this one thing and they don't know what it is that's crazy like you hate bending that much you're gonna go to pull up to a, a spot and you don't even know what's gonna happen that's crazy right yeah they again they all they know is that Aban is going to be there they just don't know like what's gonna happen uh which is like the revelation is what we keep hearing about uh, through the episode. And that revelation, like we said before, is that Amon can apparently just take people's bending away, which is, uh, to, as Tenzin, Tenzin mentions, it's we've only seen Aang do this, and he did it literally, like, if we're thinking about this as one consecutive story, three episodes ago, we just saw this yeah. happen for the first time. And so it's interesting that this is, like, suddenly coming back in, like, a very big way. I took yeah definitely I I would love to know more about what Amon like what is who knows who Amon is right now like what is the general like what has the Equalist movement done so far I want to know the backstory on where we're at with them uh and like because they amassed a gigantic crowd like people are clearly very sympathetic to this cause right yeah prior to any unexplainable spiritual happenings. Yeah, it's just purely, like, they are here because they want to, I guess, know more about this whole movement. Um, so, yeah, that should be, I, I think that should be the terrifying thing. 
to Cora and Mako in this moment is that this many people showed up to this event. Um, I know. There had to have been a couple of people at the event who were like, oh, we heard Dave Chappelle was going to be here tonight. Is this, is this not, <laughs> Just some is unrelated. Yeah. I heard he does drop-ins. You never know when he's going to come in. <laughs> yeah, this is like a uh, some sort of like warm-up. Someone like a like some Sungi Hornist is actually who like the big draw here, and like he Amon's just sort of like the pre-game for that. Um, I do love the moment though of when he's taking away the bending, and we watch the lightning change from like it gets weaker, and then it turns into fire, and then it goes out. I love that little like detail of I animation. I also really like that part where in in that part where when Aang did it, he was like directly on, like above uh, Fire Lord Ozai, whereas when Amon is doing it, he's like from behind and like on the other side. Just a uh, good artistic direction. For sure. Um, and another like sort of parallel to Aang's version of this, um, I believe the Lion Turtle has like some speech and it begins like since beginningless time is like the first sort of phrase he throws out there. And then when Aman is like introducing this idea, he says, since the beginning of time. So it's like, I don't know if that was intentional or not on the part of the writers, but I would think so that they're trying to like instantly make this connection between like what Aang did and what's happening here. Um, so yeah, that's just a cool little writing detail that I hope was intentional. Yeah. And another thing also like Korra just has not been connecting spiritually to her avatar side. And then Aman saying, the spirits have spoken to me. Another thing that I feel like affected her in that moment after seeing, and then seeing uh, uh, lightning bolt Zoltz bending it, taking it away. <laughs> that shit was traumatizing, bro. He's like, what? what did you do to me? He sounded like devastated, man. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I'm honestly like, not, I mean, I think that it's not a terrible idea to take away someone's bending who is using it to cause harm onto others. I mean, <laughs> oh, not traumatizing for him per se, more so for Korra. Oh, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. The, the whole a piece of shit. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had an amazing outfit. I don't know anything about the guy other than that. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean that whole finale was all about how it's okay. Like that's true. That's I guess like what I'm also. I guess what thing. I'm saying is that I am morally aligned with Aang. <laughs> right. Um. So, but it's yeah, interesting. But Aang that, took away. Yeah. I'm sorry. Aang took away uh, Ozai's bending because he didn't want to kill him. You know, wanted to punish him, wanted to beat him. So, if I found a loophole, I, I'm just gonna take away your bending. True. But with Amon, it's more so like he doesn't want anyone to have bending because his parents were murdered by a bender. So, but I still, I don't like, again, I've watched the entire show, but even like talking about in this, talking about this episode now, I'm like, I don't know if we ever do get like the equalist backstory. I don't know yeah. if we ever get deeper into like the equalist like mindset outside of just, oh, Amon is going to take away everyone's bending. I don't know if it gets any deeper than that. Yeah. I, I also don't believe that it does it. I guess I was just sort of setting up earlier that I just like, I don't love that they like kind of, they put up these, uh, what are they called? Running things that you jump over and then they- Oh, hurdles? Hurdles, yeah. They just don't jump the hurdles basically. And just like, but they put them up. It's like, we didn't ask you to put these up <laughs> on the show, but like you did and now you're not doing anything with them. Yeah, it's like, we we see like, obviously we got like the guy in the park who's like uses the megaphone. We see like the chi blockers. We see this dude with these giant like lightning rods. Like clearly there's like an entire movement of non-benders here. 
who believe in this cause, but it's like, we really don't know what they are motivated. Like, were these people like already out here before Amon showed up and was like, Hey, I can do this thing that <laughs> would solve all of your problems. Or was it like he sort of formed this group? Like we really don't know. Um, but I will say cool ass outfits uh, on both the T blockers and the lightning bolt dude and Amon. I said this before Amon's mask is really, really amazing. Um, Whoever is the uh, art department for the cheat, like for the Equalists, A plus. How do we feel about the lieutenant of the Equalist design, though? Because I'm not, you know, 100% sold on it. I agree <laughs> with everybody else. I love that everybody else's outfits. I just, you know, the lightning rod guy, I feel like we needed like an extra belt or like a <laughs> ribbon of some kind. I don't know. We needed something else. <laughs> something to show. I feel like up. he's actually one of the more iconic characters from the show. Just. Because it's like, oh, it's a fucking lightning rod guy. Do we ever find out his name? I don't think so. But he's the fucking lightning rod guy. And he's just like a memorable dude. You don't really find out. He's like a Boba Fett type character. Mm. He's just cool. You just don't know why he's cool, but he's just cool. You don't, need to, know, you don't need to know shit about him. He's just, he just, he is who he is. Fantastic mustache. Like, true. Yeah. I, I do, like we said before, they, they do a really good job of like establishing the like stakes or like the threat here. And that both times that they fight these, like, they get beat up both times. Like, before Mako and Korra are only saved by Naga. Um, and then in this scene, Mako and Balin are only saved by Korra showing up at the last moment. So it's like, these guys clearly can, like, handle their shit and, like, put our heroes in their place, like, pretty effortlessly. Um, so they, they this whole episode does a really fantastic job of making you just as terrified as Korra probably is in this moment. These yeah. overly proud also, benders will never suspect that a non-bender could take them. Right. I'm also thinking about how, like, just how brutal the fight scenes in this show are. Like, I'm only going to talk about a specific moment. It's when Lightning Rod guy is fighting uh, Mako and Bolin, and then Korra did the same thing to him that she did to uh, Iki and Janora, like the catapult mm. thing. But whereas with the kids, it was funny. With <laughs> You see him hit the wall, he hits the ground, and you just see him go, I was like, oh, I felt that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's gonna have some broken ribs there. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like, and oh, like, fucked up. <laughs> and before with the Chewbacca's, like, we see them like swinging their like bolo, like whatever those like things are. It's like they're about to bring that down on their like on them. Like that shit was gonna hurt. Um, so like, yeah, yeah. this especially compared to avatar like it's getting obviously our characters are older but it's like the mortal danger that they're in feels a lot more real too i feel like it's easier like it feels like it shouldn't be but i feel like it's easier to like feel the punches and like feel the like heaviness of actual physical combat other than when like a fire blast is like terrifying but it's not something i can really like process in my mind but with like an actual like a heavy metal ball that they're like swinging around i'm like okay that like would really really hurt if i can like actually imagine that mm-hmm. right very yeah. uh go-go from uh kill bill with the metal yes. ball. <laughs> um yeah I, so yeah. this is unrelated to what we were just <laughs> discussing but I loved the world building of Mako like going out and getting this job at like the power factory or the power plant or whatever where he just like blasts lightning for like 
hours it seems like i like it for a couple reasons and because it seems like obviously like we talked about this last week i think but like lightning bending is clearly much more like established and a lot more people have access to it but they're also like very practical with it where they're like yeah these people can fully generate electricity for a society which is just like and like we should pay them to be able to do this for everybody uh and i just think that that's like it really it shows so many different things all in one like five second clip yeah it's, yeah, it's really cool. It's like kind of like taking the idea of the metal bending cops, but um, for not an evil thing, <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. giving energy to people instead of being the police. Yeah. Um, and we also, those like we talked about the Toph statue and the Aang statue before, and now we have a Zuko statue sighting in this episode in some sort of plaza. We don't really know like why there's a Zuko statue in this specific place, um, but I'm glad there is one. He deserves it, our king. Yeah, and I also kind of liked it as sort of a reference to, like, I feel like it's, because we, we hear Amon has this, like, unbelievable fire scar on his face, um, and, like, Zuko, but he covers it with a mask where Zuko never did, um, and I was just thinking of that as, like, another part of Z uh, Amon's backstory that they're, like, just talking about, where it's just, like, they, I feel like they're, like, I feel like they want us to see what the non-vendors are talking about even when they are pre presented as like this evil group yeah like he's sort of like this amalgamation of zuko and ang by like yeah the scar and the energy bending supposedly it's like they want us to like connect him to our heroes from the previous show in that way but yeah like you said they also are just like getting evil music and being presented as these evil people um <laughs> So yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it it kind of feels like I don't know, like they're trying to like shorthand the idea of a sympathetic villain. Like I don't know, it doesn't feel like a fully sympathetic villain to me. Um, at we least are yeah. see him, we are seeing him do some pretty terrible things to one of the most beloved characters that's been introduced so far as well. Yeah, so. Boleyn. <laughs> Boleyn oh, just man. gets caught up on it, in it. Um, this is a I great Boleyn. I actually thought this was going to be like more of a Boleyn episode, actually, because like you see him and you see him like, you know, accept the money from Shady Shin and then he's just gone for most of the episode. I do love when he like the steam comes as the cover and Boleyn's like, Mako, I love you. And then he just like, mm -hmm. he just, like snatches him and gets the hell out of there. Yeah I, yeah, I noted that because it's like I was trying to remember, like, did we ever hear like Katara and Sokka say I love you to each other? Um or I don't I, like I couldn't really like, instantly recall a moment when they do that, but I was like, "That's so cute that we just like Bolin's first response on seeing his big brother is just like, I love you, like thank you.' That's so yeah. sweet yeah. and cute, and tells us so much about at least like, like it tells us about their relationship, obviously, but it also tells us a lot about Bolin too, which we already knew he is just yeah. like a giant teddy bear. Love that. that guy. Not really either of Sokka or Katara's vibes. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it, I it, can you blame them? They grew up <laughs> in a land without sun um Sokka <laughs> community <laughs> reference yes uh, and also Sokka <laughs> and Sokka and Katara they love each other very much but their sibling dynamic is very much they get on each other's nerves so that's why like Bolin and Mako don't get on each other's nerves well in this episode Mako was annoyed because he's like oh, I can't believe Bolin got cut up with these guys but I feel like their relationship in general they're more often on the same page yeah like, like it's it's also like obviously it's two boys so like they can kind of relate in that sense and like for Katara and Sokka it's like Katara like felt like the need to kind of be a mother to Sokka so she never really got to be his sister at least so um that 
for sure, I love that sort of contrast between these two pairs of siblings here. Um, I just, yeah, like you said, that moment is so cute when he says, I love you, Tamako. Yeah, I also feel like they've had a lot more time to work together. Like, I also think that Bolin and Mako are only a year apart. I feel, I think that that's a fact. But also, like, they have this backstory where, like, they helped each other. Like, they're on a team together. They uh, worked in these, like, crime, in this crime organization together, like, watching each other's backs, like, kind of helping raise each other as opposed to, like you said, like, Guitar, like, feeling like she had to be taking on the mothering role in their dynamic. For sure. I will say, on the topic of Mako and Bolin, this episode, I was so much more sympathetic to Mako from, like, the jump. Like, he was so much more likable. I liked him, and I even liked the Mako and Korra scenes that they put in this episode. Like, so much of this episode should have been his introduction episode. Like, as opposed to, like, the mean man we yeah. were presented in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah! He was, like, this issue episode I had was so great. The show early on, man. It's like, I do, like this episode a lot but episode two i'm like yo like everyone's a dick like <laughs> mako's a dick tenzin's a dick like yeah. bolin is just trying to like be like hey you know like bolin's like this shot of fun that this show needs and i feel like as we go further into the series the show becomes more fun but yeah it really is like these the characters on the show core is a more serious show the characters are more serious so when the fun moments and the fun characters do show up, it's like, oh yes, like welcome adding to like the fabric of the show, you know? But For sure. yeah, I do definitely, I actually think I, I think I love Mako actually. You know, <laughs> in this episode he was good, but like, I like Mako, the, I don't think the show realizes it. The, I don't think the show realizes this yet, but Mako is a huge ass dork. Like Mako is a <laughs> dork dog. Like, yeah, and we see his, his, he has a cute little side of him. Mm-hmm. Like, would Pabu, Pabu like, goes on his shoulder? <laughs> yeah, right. Because, you know, Pabu obviously loves Mako as much as he, he loves Bolin, even though he's Bolin's pet. But, right. yeah, um, Mako's dorky side definitely comes out, you know, more and more as the series progresses. Because he's literally, like, the straight man for most of the show. Most of the show. So, you know, I don't really know if he really generates the humor like that. But him reacting to shit is hilarious sometimes. So, mm-hmm. For sure. I do like that we got the sympathetic side to him as well as, you know, the more likable side, as you said, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, good Mako episode for sure. Um, and like like we said, Pabu introduced in this very episode. Love, love, love this little thing. I want a million of them. Like, what a perfect, like, we've said this before, the show's creature designs on point for always. So like I forget what was our <laughs> our number one creature from Avatar was it the pentapuses the purple I think pentapus? it was the, I think it was those things yeah but yeah. Pabu is I well it's so hard because Pabu and Naga are both so I just love both of them and they are both very similar to like just a, a thing that exists like a fire ferret it seems like it's just a red ferret and polar bear <laughs> dog is kind of like just a gigantic bear with a dog head and both of those things are amazing to me <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I love yeah. that it's a, like Naga is a polar bear dog, but like that's actually what they call. That's actually what they call Naga. Yeah, like, like yeah. it's a polar bear dog. Yeah, that's the species name. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, which is a regular looking ferret, and I have a power. <laughs> I have a polar bear dog. You know, Why one not? of the only red things is fire, and so he's a fire ferret. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, great creatures. Uh, so. Uh, is there anything else about the this episode specifically that we want to talk about before we, I guess, dive into talking about 
the future events uh, of book one and even beyond just related to this episode. I yeah. do like um, Mako and Korra teaming up. They have a good like partnership. And also, you know, I know where things are heading. We're about to get into like the future of book one and beyond. Like, but yeah, I like seeing uh, Mako and Korra have each other's backs. I like that. Mm-hmm. Like when they were like on when uh, mom was on stage and they were like, oh, what do we do? And they actually like, you know, Mako's like, oh, we're about to do this. And Korra's like, I bet. And then they just did it. It wasn't no, <laughs> they were very much like got on the same page very quickly and like saved Bolin's life. So I like seeing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Definitely. And I I really appreciated in this episode that like I feel like my, when I think of Legend of Korra, I'm like, Korra, love Korra. Bolin, love Bolin. Mako, I don't like him. But in this episode, <laughs> I really liked him and like really liked his character a lot. And so I hope that in the, going forward, I will continue to like not expect to really appreciate his presence on the show. Yeah, I actually, honestly, this is this is like my episode right now but for you sam you're gonna watch the show and you're gonna realize like oh Mako's actually kind of underrated mm. i hope so I'm yeah throw that out there i'm trying to keep it light <laughs> and positive i am very willing and open to appreciating him yeah we're gonna we'll like have you come back and we'll stake our claim here and if sam isn't fully in love with mako by then, then <laughs> you are allowed to go in on him and <laughs> remind him why he should be standing Ma- mako um, but uh, before we go into spoilers, Otto, do you want to tell everyone who like maybe dipping out where they can find you on social media? Oh yeah, I'm on Twitter at Otto Fernandez, and I'm on Instagram at Otto underscore Fernandez. But you have to spell the word underscore. Mm. Oh, ooh, a cla- uh, great! <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, well, you can find me at Reindeerks on Twitter, and you can find us at Bitterjurs Pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow my other podcasts, Word on the Straits, STR8S on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, spoiler time. Yes. Uh, well, obviously, like we said, um, oh, this is obviously like our big introduction to Amon. Um, and as we all learn, he is a big fraud. Uh, and <laughs> that's, I guess, my big takeaway from when he like brings up the firebender thing is like is Amon just like trying to use that sort of anti-firebender I guess mentality to like like everyone just is like oh yeah of course the firebender did that yeah um I, I, I that's what I assume they're trying to go for there when it's like they just talked about Maku's family getting killed by firebender and now Amon's saying it like maybe that's supposed to be our first red flag that that's like maybe Amon is like just making shit up I don't know <laughs> I'm not sure, but I was I, when I was watching the episode today. I, during his speech, every single thing he said was a lie, which was making <laughs> me laugh because it's just like it just feels like it, just, it was just like just tell something that's like similar to the truth, but don't like make yeah the spirit entirely. Yeah, he was like, yeah. I I grew up in Republic City. It's like no, you didn't. Ah. And then he's like, my father was a poor man who was sort of my firebender. It's like no, he wasn't. Nope. Was like, like, none of my family were benders. Uh, literally, your whole family was about it, bending. Nah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, I, oh, how no, do you like, feel as a, as a villain? Once we find out who he really is, that shit. That shit got real. That shit was actually executed very well. I wish we could have gotten more. I mean, it kind of makes sense why Amon, when he still goes by Amon, why it 
it doesn't go that deep because obviously they were like, oh no, we're gonna about to we're about to go entirely in a different direction with this, and then we'll give you like the real backstory. But as of right now, I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, it's he has a cool mask. He can like <laughs> take people's bending away allegedly, and you know, sure, he's like a villain, but it's so obvious and it's not interesting. So mm-hmm. Amon, wish, yeah. as we see him now, not interesting when we find out who he really is. Very interesting. I but totally agree with because that. it takes us such a long time, and because it takes us such a long time to get to that point, it's sort of like, oh, did we really have to do it this way? <laughs> like, did we really have to have like this Amon persona? Can like you know, especially if y'all knew you were gonna you know flip the switch later on. Yeah, like I or like do we were the saying... Amon persona in a way where it's actually interesting and not just like, oh, we're just gonna have him do bad guy stuff, I guess. Yeah, like but have, him, but have but pretend like he's interesting about it. Like, yeah, we're like fuck bending, yeah, but it doesn't go any deeper than fuck bending. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the mask is like very interesting and like it's cool, but it, I agree, like it totally it makes it just hard to sympathize or like really connect with him. And then I I love the concept of his backstory, but I totally agree. Like, I wish it was just introduced like in three more episodes instead of like the penultimate of the season. Yeah, it's like it's if you want to make a truly sympathetic villain, like we shouldn't be introduced to a fake villain for uh, eleven of the thirteen episodes, and then oh, by the way, at the end, it's actually a completely different character with all this other actually truly like tragic backstory that we're just like getting in this like last episode. It's like yeah, like you said, I wish we had known that from the beginning, or at least like a version of that story, so it's not completely different. So it's like yeah. I don't know. Like he could lie he, about not bending, but it, like everything else should feel true to Amon's character. Or like since we're gonna meet his brother, like probably next episode or the episode after, like we could get some kind of twisted backstory of his version, where like we find out about his brother who is something, 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 blah blah blah, uh, and then we actually find out the real truth from Amon later or something. But the way they do it is just uh, yeah. not excellent. Something that I was thinking about. It's, oh yeah, go for it. Yeah. What are you saying? Well, no, I was gonna say like that's like classic Legend of Korra, you know, like they're just vibing, they're just vibing through <laughs> the story, you know. No plans, mm-hmm. just fights. Exactly. Um, but I was thinking earlier we were talking about how Aman uses something that Ang used for the first time, like three episodes previously, and then I was thinking about like the other villains of the show, and I feel like at least for the first three, I can't really see how it connects with Kuvira, but for the first three, like they they. For the villains, they're taking these things that are so intrinsic to who Aang is or who Aang was or what Aang did and, like, just twisting them and making them what, like, the villain is known for. Like, we get Ulamok or something in season two. Uh, Unalak, who, like, yeah. uses the spirit world and, like, uh, is, like, a dark spirit guy. And then we have, oh, God, is I don't here? know. Zaheer? Zaheer, yeah, who... Uh, oh, who learns how you to air? I remember his name. I, I mean, I obviously remember. I love Zahir, it's, but that's what I'm saying. But I just couldn't remember his name right yeah. as I was making my point. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like airbending, uh, which I just think is really interesting. And I feel like it's the, they take these things that we had no, there was no way to even like conceptualize them being used for evil because the only way we had to see them was through Ang. And so now we see like the darker sides of these things that we thought were like pure. For sure. I yeah, mean, but that's the interesting thing. That's what makes Korra like an interesting show. Like they actually try to explore the other side. Yeah. Like Deep Space Nine. Like it's not just the Federation is great. It's like, oh no, the Federation be on some fucked up shit. 
And in the Avatar world, you know, this is like how many, however many years after the characters from the OG show have passed and we actually get to see how society just moves on, you know? Like, you know, this isn't in this episode, but in the previous episode, when Korra's like, yeah, I want to go to a pro-bending match and Tenzin says, oh, that's like a, a bastardization of like pure bending. Like, it's exactly what you said, Sam. It's sort of like just taking these things from the previous show that as we're, you know, as presented in the show, it's like, just like pure, like, you know, like black and white, even though Avatar does, you know, have like gray area shit too, but it was definitely more so like good, evil. Korra is more so like, it gets grayer. Yeah, with presenting and, uh, like, certain things or twisting things from the previous show, which I like. Yeah, for sure. The, and uh, everything that they do in this vein, it, it just, just makes complete sense as like a natural next step of what would happen after. Like, if someone like Ty Lee got famous, obviously people are going to be like, okay, well, how do I do that? Uh, and like, it just makes complete sense that like all the stuff that they do like this just is something that like a human would think once they like find out that the spirits exist or like. If if an evil guy got access to airbending, like obviously he's like gonna do the stuff that Zaheer does, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I um. Now I want to. Now I want a Ty Lee show. Because <laughs> the chi blockers are everywhere. Yes, but um, obviously there were other chi blockers. I don't think she was the only one, but it's kind of interesting how Aman just got all of them or a bunch of them to be his henchmen. But Ty Lee is sort of like. And the Avatar, she joined the circus, and then it's like, all right, well, fuck it. Now, like, you know, um, you know, Chi blocking's back. Fuck it, bring Ty Lee back. We never get a Ty Lee mention in this show, I don't think. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't know, I'm just so. going on a tangent. It'd be cool to see, like, what uh, some of the other characters got up to after the end of ATLA. Chi blocking almost seems like something that would be a circus trick. Like, it's something that's like a bearded lady or like something, unbe like some unbelievable fancy that, like, who can even possibly believe it exists? And it's someone who, like, does this yeah. trick at the circus starting off. And it's just like, and then maybe Ty Lee, like, turned it into her own fighting style where it's like, initially, it's like the master man who can take away people's bending. It's like, yeah, right. And then, like, he does it. And then they're like, oh, I really can't do it. Right. Um, yeah, I obviously I feel like book three is like the biggest sort of example of like this, like we were talking about, like this sort of uh, evil version of Aang. Um, but yeah, and then I think Kuvira, like where Kuvira fits into that is she's kind of like a dark version of Korra at that point, like a version mm -hmm. of Korra that we're kind of getting now, who's like very steadfast in her beliefs and thinks that like one person in Korra's case, the Avatar, in Kabir's case, herself, should be running the show and, like, telling everyone what to do. Um, so I think that's where Kuvira fits into that. So, But I, I do, like we said, I really like that aspect of the show in comparison to Avatar, where it's, like, the Fire Lord. Like, we don't ever really get any sort of, like, contrast between him and Aang in any sort of, like, meaningful way. Um, whereas in this show, it's, like, each season gets its own evil sort of, like, dark mirror to either Aang or, or Korra or both. Um and I think that's the show's biggest strength for sure. Definitely. And I also think that like the show does do a good job of like this, the building blocks of the, what the villain believes or like what once makes complete sense. Like what they're after is like something that like makes sense as like an end goal. And, but like it obviously took a wrong turn on the way there and like isn't actually a good thing for society like this is uh, like obviously equal equality is good but like aman is doing it in an evil way and like they i feel like all the like that people know that like all four of the villains like have that same thing in common mm -hmm. so yeah it's uh i feel like of the four 
it's like Amon and Unalak, uh, kind of like the seasons themselves are like the weaker of the two. And then Zaheer and Kuvira obviously are like these really yeah. fantastic villains. Um, and so I'm excited. Like Amon, I think even though like, I love his character design. I don't love everything about like his like story, but there's like, there's still a lot of good there in terms of like really interesting storytelling. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes from here, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, we talked about Mako and Korra, though. Uh, obviously, the intended endgame relationship at this point, which will end up not being the case at the end of the show. Done, done, um, done. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, um, but like we said, this is a cute, like they have the cute little like falling asleep together moment in the park. That's cute. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, it's funny like, to dude, see. Like, we haven't. We haven't even met Asami yet. I so know. It's like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what the fuck is going on with Mako and Korra. We haven't even met Asami yet, dog. So as far as I'm concerned, any romance between Mako and Korra, and, you know, and they get into a relationship. But I'm like, it's like my least favorite aspect of season two, just their relationship. Oh, it's so fucking like, ugh, you know? And like yeah. I can understand, like, wait, I have a question for you, Sam. Would you say that Mako's romances on this show add to why you dislike his character or hate his character? A hundred percent, yes. Like I, <laughs> yeah. both Cora yeah. and uh, yeah. Cora and Mako and Mako and Asami are like terribly written parts of the show that like they want me to like put energy behind it, but and I just like don't get it at all. Um but yeah. maybe this time throughout the show, I'll be like, actually, blah, blah, blah. I can't even like think of like something to say appreciatively about it. <laughs> oh, no. Nah. I think that this is I kind of the high the show watermark. recently enough where I will tell you, I, I, we watched Legend of Korra recently enough to tell you, no, you're right. This is not, this <laughs> yeah. is not, you're yeah, going to be annoyed by the same shit you were annoyed by in his relationships with Korra and Asami. As far On the as romantic I remember, side, he's a once liar the show and a moves cheater. past them, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> once the show like just gives up on trying to like make R Mako the romance guy, then he like becomes easier to see like his good qualities. I would say, yeah, sure. qualities were always there, but when it comes to the romance, it's just like, oh, you, it's just like, you know, I'm not rooting for none of y'all. Like, like <laughs> none of you, you please know. get with each other ever. Yeah, this is a well, except like for Korra and Asami. Oh well, yes, yeah. of course. And Bolan and Opal, maybe. Yeah, they're cute. Like this is that. something that they like tried to like make a dark twist on something that worked from the Avatar show, where they were sort of like, "Hey, we had good relationships from the previous show. What if we made them bad?" And <laughs> then they were like, "Oh wait, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad." And I feel like they took a step back later on, but we're still like wading through the. Yeah. Well, we're actually really not even in the waters yet with all of the oh, things we're gonna all. go through. Um, but that's you know, why seasons three and four are better than seasons one and two because it's like the show finally figured out how to be the best version of itself, you know? And that's why I'm like, Legend of Korra could have gone on for like hella seasons, way more than four. They could have just kept making shit up like book five, space, I don't fucking know, book six. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we talked about the Fire Nation here um, and we whatever. never get to yeah. see the Fire Nation in this show, sadly. Um, so that ideally would have been season five, but you know, we'll never get it. We'll never get to see the Fire Nation yeah. during this time, which makes me sad. So it's like, you know, Korra was just making shit up anyway. And like, but it actually got good at the shit it was making up th seasons three and four. <laughs> season three of Korra, season three of Korra might be like, if we're taking the seasons 
the three Avatar seasons and the four Korra seasons, season three of Korra is like up there. Yeah, it's up I mean, there. it's, it's my number there. two like, after overall, book two of yeah. Avatar for sure. Like those are my top two, and they sometimes switch yeah. places. But yeah, book three of Korra, I'm I'm always so excited to get. There. Yeah, although I feel like everything it you've said as so like as an opinion of the larger like just the general work of Korra and Avatar, like I feel like everything you've said has been exactly in line with what Derek and I say all the time. Where we're just like <laughs> the, the first two seasons aren't that good, season three four are so good. The first Avatar show is like perfect. I, I feel like everything you've said is just something that people who listen to the podcast yes. will be like, oh, like he is exactly in line with what <laughs> the editors say all the time. <laughs> Yes, yeah, because like Avatar is so like anyone can watch Avatar: The Last Airbender and they'll get it. I feel like they'll get it at a certain point. Like the show starts off slow, but once you get to like a certain episode, like I want to say the storm or the blue spirit, it, then it's like, oh, I know what this is now. I this shit's dope as hell. Whereas with Korra, it's sort of like I don't know, like. When I watched season one, when it originally aired all those years ago, I'm like, yo, this is dope as fuck. Like, they're taking things from the old show and, like, putting, like, a new spin on it and actually, like, exploring how the shit can actually, like, you know, Aang's intentions were good, but society moves on. You know, it doesn't matter who the hell the Avatar is, society moves on and certain things, like, become more corrupt or darker or, like, you know, more evil, I would say, but... That's me at the time watching Legend of Korra, but then I mean, watch season one and I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to see this pro bending <laughs> bullshit. I thought pro bending was like, I'm watching this shit like, yo, this is so dope. And now I'm like, man, this shit does not even matter in the grand scheme of the show. Like, pro bending doesn't even matter after season one. I don't yeah. think. I don't think it ever comes up again. So it's like, you know, it just feels like padding, even though it's not padding because, you know, Korra's learning shit, the character development, whatever. Yeah. But when you're thinking of the entirety of the, show it's like oh yeah this is like this is kind of like you can check your phone during like the pro bending scene <laughs> for sure yeah it's i mean it's like and then season I two think... is just season two is just like a just just yeah bad. dog shit <laughs> it's just like not, not dog uh, shit. it has its moments but it really is like cora is i heard most insufferable and cora is not <laughs> an insufferable person but in season two it's like they were really having her like challenge me to be like, ah oh, man, like, <laughs> well, yeah, you're just making all the bad decisions. And then like she lost. I I don't want to <laughs> keep harping for too long, but this has always been my thing where people are like, look, they didn't know that they were going to get more seasons of the show. It's like, that is even worse because then they're just like making this terrible product and like they don't think that they're going to have more time to like fix it. They're just like putting out this bad, these two bad seasons of the show. But like, it's okay. I look, I, as I just want to say again that I loved this episode today watching it. I actually watched it twice today. Uh, and I, I really thought they did a good job here. Specifically, what Good job. Uh, the revelation, A plus for me. Um, it was a revelation for me. Hello. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd say this is like a, a B plus. There you go. That's yeah, yeah probably the more accurate accurate rating yeah. of them. Um, but uh, Otto, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, do you wanna any other final thoughts before we go off into the wild blue yonder? Before we go off, <laughs> we already went Man. off. Okay. <laughs> 
any other thoughts on this episode or just like on the show in general? Well, I mean, I hope this is not the last time we see you. So maybe you can save those general thoughts um, for later. Then that's, 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 yeah, that yeah, sounds good to me I'm, because I feel like we've learned here that you are essentially a third bitter juror uh, <laughs> because totally, totally we are just all in sync. We only love accept to come people back, who agree uh, with us on every point. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'd love uh, to come back, you know, even if it's a season two episode, I'm down to like hang out <laughs> whatever episode you want to have me on. But yeah, uh, Legend of Korra deserved a better hand. It got mm-hmm. dealt a shitty hand by Nickelodeon pretty much the entire time. Like Sam, you said, like they didn't know they were going to even make more after season one. So they treated every season as, as its own thing, which makes the show more interesting. But unfortunately, you're seeing the stumbling blocks before the greatness, mm-hmm. but whereas with Avatar, it was just sort of like, it just knew what it was out the gate, whereas with Korra, it takes a little time. But even during the two not as good seasons, you still see you still see the potential. So yeah, I could talk about Korra all day probably. It's such <laughs> an interesting show. And like the shit that the creators went through and the shit that the fans went through while it was airing and then the, like the fact that it was like canceled. Well, not canceled. Like they they knew it was the end, but it was still like we could have gotten more seasons, bro. We could have gotten like imagine how society would be now if we got more <laughs> Legend of Korra seasons. Imagine if we actually saw, like imagine if we actually saw Korra and Asami coming back after they went on that you know little vacation together. You know what I mean? That would have been. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world because the world fucking sucks. But mm-hmm. hey, there you go. <laughs> at least we got to see. At least we got. At least we got to see that. You know what I mean? At least we got to see that. True. I completely uh, agree. Yeah. Uh, so Otto, do you want to remind the people once again uh, where they can find you? Oh yeah, at Otto Fernandez on Twitter, at Otto underscore Fernandez on Instagram. Spelled the word underscore. Perfect. Beautiful. Uh, you can find me at Rain Dierks on Twitter, and you can find us at Bitterger's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. At Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter, at or at Word on the Straits, STR8S on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, this was awesome. Otto, thanks again for being here. This was great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, y'all. Yeah, bye. Bye.